Hello, and thank you for joining us here at Timeline Podcast Anywhere, the podcast where we aim to pull back the curtain on all things within the broadcasting industry. Today's episode will be my last as host, and I'd like to take the opportunity to thank all of the guests that we've had contribute over the course of both series. I'm ending with an incredible episode today on the topic of sustainability. We're all aware that more and more as an industry, we need to take sustainability seriously. Today's guests are Joe Finnan, Manager of Responsible Productions for Sky Sports at Sky, and Dee Davison, Director of Sustainability, Culture and Engagement at Deluxe. They provide an Education 101 on how businesses can get started and how they're helping to implement change in their own companies. Get a pen and paper ready, you're going to want to write some things down. Now, on with the show. Hello both, thank you so much for joining us on the Timeline Podcast Anywhere today. As you're aware, we're here to talk about sustainability. Joe works at Sky as Head of Sustainable Productions, is that correct? I wish. I love that, you just promoted me. Great. (laughs) What's your job title then? Manager of Responsible Productions, Sky Sports. Manager of, okay. So I've made you a head of in about 10 seconds. Love it. And uh, Dee... So I'm um, Director of Sustainability, Culture and Engagement at Deluxe. Right. You explain it a lot better than me. So actually, that's probably a good place to start. Could you perhaps both explain what your roles are at both uh, Sky and Deluxe um, in a bit of a summary? Um, Right. So, yeah, I'm Joe, Manager of Responsible Productions at Sky Sports. So um, my role has been in place for about 18 months now, just shy. Um, the role was created because of all the work that we've been doing from a um, sustainability perspective. Uh, so I'd previously been working in contracts and working with suppliers and really driving change there. And um, we we said that actually if we needed to get more more traction here, if we wanted to do more, then we've actually got to dedicate a headcount. And so that was something that Sky Sports did. Um, so, yeah, it started, started December 2021. No, 2020s, apologies. Um, And uh, because of that, then other departments within Sky have also taken on uh, managers of responsible production. So now there's three at Sky, which is really um, amazing. It shows that Sky as a company, we're really committed to um, embedding sustainability within each department. Um, Yeah. So we've got, of course, we've got our corporate and social responsibility team. So the bigger picture team at Sky who um, absolutely... Mm drive um our corporate strategies and and how we can make think make massive changes from a corporate level but yeah. really getting into the detail when it comes to productions um we've got these managers of responsible productions within each team now which is great yeah that's fantastic it's something really inspiring for others such as timeline to be looking at and learning from so uh Dee, you are the director of sustainability at deluxe but the title's a bit longer than that could you explain uh, yeah, what it is sure. and what you do please sure so i'm um director of sustainability culture and engagement um across deluxe and uh yeah, it's a new role. I've been in it a couple of months now, um, and I'm so excited because I've been wanting to work in this area for a long time. Um, but my career has taken me on a sort of um, interesting path through the film and TV sector over 20 years, um, through sort of different not-for-profit and commercial roles. And for the last eight years, I've worked at Deluxe and taken any opportunity I can to sort of work in um, you know, environmental initiatives or charitable causes. Um 
and but it's always sort of been an add-on to my day job you know so this really has given me the opportunity to focus on this really important topic globally um and the turning point for us i think has has been in 2020 when we were acquired by platinum equity um you know we had a whole new leadership team and the business has undergone such an enormous transformation in that time and it feels like um you know basically the time was right for us to step up from our regional efforts on sustainability to now look at our kind of you know our global footprint and what we're doing as a as a you know as a big corporate um so yeah that's what I'm here to do now oh amazing well done I mean I think it's interesting you just touched on there about an add-on to your sort of other roles I think a lot of companies do still sort of sit in that area of oh we'll just give somebody who's passionate about this in their personal life probably a few extra sort of tasks to do or you know but with that comes the issue of well you're not going to dedicate your time to it and there's a lot of work that goes into carbon mapping or you know even just sort of setting your scopes and all of these things it's not really an add-on job would you agree with that like that's that's sort of now I think it's more important that companies employ people specifically or promote people to take on these these roles because it's obviously not going anywhere and uh, there's a lot of work yeah, I mean, I think an add-on is better than nothing, mm-hmm. but yeah. obviously it's better to have the dedicated resource if if you can, and it sort of depends on the size of the business and what your goals are. But um, but you know, th- there's a such a big movement towards this in in corporations, and there has been for the last couple of years. That yeah, more and more you're seeing sustainability or um, you know sustainability positions being advertised, and it's it's getting a lot more focus, which is right, and and you know which is great. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I would totally agree that, yeah, add-ons are better than nothing. But Sarah, like, it's so true. It just, when you're adding it on to someone's existing role, it's always going to be bottom of the agenda. It's always going to be yeah. a passion point that they're doing in their overtime, at, at the weekend, whenever, like, they can just slot it in because they really want to drive change. But mm-hmm. actually, that's detrimental to the well-being of that person as well. So yeah. like, you can't you can't change the world and kill that person at the same time because yeah. you're overloading them because yes, they're passionate about it and oh it's fine, like oh Joe can go do that or whatever because you know she really cares about it. No, like this is really important. And um the way that Sky has approached this is actually we've tried to really use our money to make the difference. So picking yeah, suppliers okay. based on actually who's doing stuff and actually who's who we want to be working with. And it's really interesting that actually when you're doing that, these companies are stepping up and actually realizing, gosh, we can win work because of this. They've actually they are then taking note and, and realizing, gosh, I'm getting judged based on how we're asked, um, how we're answering our RFP questions around yep. like sustainability, gender pay gap, all of the inclusion and driving um, different change in our recruitment processes. So actually, that hopefully will then start making them realize gosh yeah we also need to dedicate headcount because this will help us win the work yeah and I I don't think timeline or my team here would mind me saying this that is something that happened to us because you know obviously we've been Mm -hmm. in touch with Sky and various companies and we were realizing well we're a little bit on the back foot here we're a little bit slow off the mark of of getting our ducks in a row so to speak so that is now a focus of this year of you know employing somebody really t- making it a focus and not 
an add-on or we'll just make a sustainability committee and they'll come up with a few nice ideas, which they have, and that's great. And But at the moment, it's not really enough. It makes good business sense and also um, it's great for the planet. I just want to talk about um, the sort of goals and perhaps some initiatives you've seen within the industry. Obviously, Sky is very clear. Um, you know, it's for everyone to read. It's out there. It's on your website. With Deluxe as well, uh, what are your key areas of focus um, for the next few years, would you say? Um, yeah, so we're a little bit further um behind in our journey on this than, yeah. than a, you know than an enormous um corporate like sky and sky, actually it's, yeah. it's it's great to be on this with joe because i can learn quite a lot so yeah i'm pleased that we're on this podcast together yeah. um so we've been doing actually quite a lot in the last um sort of five years in different regions but never had a global strategy so now what i've produced is a global sustainability plan and frankly it's not rocket science you know the there are some really um hopefully easy and quick wins that you can make if you you know if you're sort of um looking at reduction of emissions in the first instance so things like um first of all baselining what your emissions are which is what we're doing for scopes one to three so finding out what our starting point is and then looking at a reduction plans um with a focus on switching to renewable energy wherever we can um, looking at how we heat, cool and light our facilities, um, looking at the business travel that we take and if that's essential. Huge um, one, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then also looking at waste, um, you know, the waste journey after it leaves us to try and avoid landfill and make sure we're having res- responsible waste suppliers and single-use plastics. So those are the really easy, well, I say easy, it's not easy to do, but they're the obvious things to look Low at Low hanging first. fruit there. Like to, exactly, yeah. yeah. So we've got a kind of, you know, we've got a goal around reduction. We've got a goal around collaboration with the industry um, and with all our stakeholders. So that's to kind of share experience, learn from one another, do things like this podcast to sort of, you know, broaden our knowledge on the topic and try and encourage others to take action like we are. Um, and then and then we're also looking at ways that we can adapt the way we do business. So this is a bit more kind of future gazing to think, um, how can we do things differently to reduce the impact on the environment um, and to reduce our dependence on natural resources? So, for example, looking at circular e-waste policy so rather than just recycling end-of-life kit we have a lot of kit in our business you know mm-hmm. technology yeah. is is core to what we do um you know can we repurpose it in some way or can we donate it to a, a good cause so you know there's some there's some things like that we're looking at as well that all sounds yeah. great to and um, just to elaborate on what Dee just said um so for us it's about the the big things is around using our voice so Sky's a company, yes, okay, we're massive, but we also have a responsibility because of that, right? So we then need to lead and and set the strategies ahead of others. And, and, and I do think people do, sorry to jump in, Joe. I do think people do look at Sky in that way. Well, we certainly do, you know, as the sort of leaders. How are they doing it? Okay, and now we'll follow. Like, yeah. And, and there's no shame in that. It's like, I think that's, it's good and we can all learn from each other, especially some a corporation as big as Sky. So, yeah. sorry. And, 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 you know, we've, we've been doing this for a long time, right? So Sky's a mm. company, we've been carbon neutral since 2006. In 2020, we set our, our net zero carbon strategy to be net zero carbon by 2030. So, you know, we, we've done, we, the environment has been a focus for us for quite a long time. But 
what's interesting recently is that um, in the last year or so, we have been really um, trying to use our voice more. So, yes, from the Sky Sports perspective, getting us out there, really trying to explain to the industry like what we're doing, how we're improving things sharing the good good news stories and the knowledge that of how we're improving things so that people aren't having to reinvent the wheel that yes there are these biofuels and remote productions and whatever um we can we can share that knowledge and we're happy to share that knowledge of course we want to be the first (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then absolutely then yeah share and please learn from us but also what we're finding and what we're really focused on is um from an editorial perspective as well, actually, as a broadcaster, us uh, we issued a report last year that's talked about um, nudging customers. Okay. And how, like, because obviously we've got millions of customers around the UK and throughout our um, territories across Europe as well, um, we, we actually have to use our voice more to discuss climate change on air. And sports is really exciting when it comes to that because we can, we can do that in a really authentic way. We can talk about it when we've, when we've got our own house in order. We know, okay, we're, we're happy that we have this conversation about how, what people are doing from a climate change perspective because we know we've done as much as we can behind the scenes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I am... Um... We're obviously talking about the sort of low-hanging fruit or the easy wins that a company can sort of take when they're just starting out. <clears throat> Is there sort of any advice that you have for businesses who are sort of, obviously you guys are a lot further down the line uh, with your strategies and things like that, but how? where do businesses start? What's the, what's the starting point? It's, it's quite overwhelming, I think, and that puts people off setting their baseline to even begin with. Um, do you have any advice around that? Yeah, it's what Dee said about actually understanding your baseline, actually understanding your business. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, there are so many consult- consultancy companies or um, people out there that can help you understand your business and your footprint because yeah. it's only then that you can really see the improvements. And I can That's, only... yeah. I can I can't stress her enough to do I that early. That from a, a panel you were on, Joe, and I've been saying that in a lot of meetings. It's like when we we can't make changes till we know where we're starting. We just need to know, and then you'll be surprised. Like it will, the, the change will, will come pretty quickly. And I, don't, yeah. I don't know what it is from this corporate perspective that they're like, no, 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 we won't do it until we've done all of this. No, do yeah. it now, yeah, because then you can track your improvements. You can actually track what impact that has got on your um if you i don't know if you've had to make a big uh, capex investment in in a for a new workflow or something yeah you had to build a new studio or a gallery or whatever like actually for you then to be able to say that that will reduce your emissions by x that really helps the business understand yeah. you know like so i can't i can't stress it enough audits as soon as possible so that you can really yeah. start tracking your emissions Yes, the very first thing we did when when I was um, talking to my colleagues in the US about starting this you know new strategy and mm-hmm. building on what we'd done, and we had emissions reported in some territories, but not on a global basis. So you know, so we've got to establish the baseline. But bear in mind, if you're get, if you're starting from scratch like we were, that takes quite a lot of time. You know, we've got sort yeah. of circa forty odd facilities globally, and trying to extract the data that you need. To understand your, just your scopes one and two initially of the emissions um, takes time. It's taken taken us sort of about three months really to get there. Um, I so I would also that's quite say good going. That, <laughs> right. yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't quite got all the answers yet, but um, 
but I yeah so I would say that you, you do establish the baseline that's the very first thing to do but also because it can take time just get going with some of the easier things like look can you move your energy contract to renewables maybe you're already on a renewable in the UK quite a lot of people are but you know in other countries um have a look at that availability yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly yeah so think about you know changing your travel policies and also I, I would say if you haven't done anything on this before educate yourself a little bit and I don't mean to set that to sound patronizing a lot of people are very well uh, are very knowledgeable about the topic of climate change and environment at the moment. But, um, you know, I certainly found that the more that I read, the more sort of I wanted to take action because yeah. it was like the, the state of the emergency was so apparent to me. Um, and so I think, you know, people don't sort of go there sometimes because it just feels like such an enormous topic to address. So I just think by talking about it, by showing you care about it, by asking your company, do we have a plan? If not, how can we you know, start to develop one and just be curious, basically. You're you're right on the education point, and that's so key, especially by getting um, leadership buy-in. But mm. it's, um, but also your point around the um, uh, some some of these things um, get them done because actually they're quite easy. A lot of the, um, or a lot of the things that they uh, they they might have already implemented for financial reasons or for well-being reasons actually are sustainable. You know, yeah. so like that, there are they may actually be in a lot better position because of other initiatives or whatever. Um, but you just haven't actually acknowledged the environmental aspect. Yeah. So like we we were looking at remote productions from on, on a lot of internationals um, pre pre two thousand and nineteen when we started looking at domestically because it made financial sense. It made sense from a well being perspective. Yeah. Actually, it was incredibly sustainable as well. But it was done for different reasons. But of course, that's, that doesn't that doesn't take away from the environmental reduction that that had. It's just that the driver back in five, ten years ago was for different reasons. They just hadn't assigned it. You know, there's another term, and I know Joe, we sort of discuss sort of off off the podcast a little bit about this. Um, I just heard it on a panel recently about. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that's any of our business, like it's not Timeline or, or Sky or Deluxe or like this, but this idea of, well, if we just employ a sustainability manager, they'll take care of it. This like, they called it on the on the, on the on the webinar, a white knight. So they'll come in, they'll sort it out, done. Well, obviously we all know that you do need to have buy-in from stakeholders. You need to be able to get data from people. You also need everybody within the company to adopt the culture and and to make to make these changes and to follow it through. So it's kind of like how do you how what kind of messaging and how do you sort of get that out to uh, colleagues and and people that you work with to drive the change? Because obviously, it's it, only so much can be done if you read an email like oh we're going to be doing this now. How, it's quite hard to get people sort of like on board. Do you have any advice around that? Yeah, from so I I keep looking at um, sustainability as uh, the health and safety like twenty years ago. You know, okay. Yeah. Everyone everyone thought, oh, you just employ a health and safety advisor; they'll do your risk assessments, and you, and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Actually, no. Like it's got to be ingrained, and it's got to be everyone's job. So that's my job. I don't have the sole responsibility for Sky Sports sustainability. Imagine. <laughs> like, I can imagine it. I mean, 
<laughs> the the fear at night as well. <laughs> but I I have to I have to embed sustainable strategies so there be a you for all of our production teams. That's my job is to make yes. sure that anything that I'm implementing, any improvements, anything that comes up that we can really drive or reduce our emissions, um, and all the other bits as well, the well-being and stuff, um, that they are they are adoptable, that they're absolutely financial financially sustainable, but also like that they are embedded. So what we're talking about about starting, how to start, this is not just a one-off like get a consultant in, understand your footprint. It's then about making sure that it's ingrained that you're then you're not going backwards. You know, unfortunately COVID introduced a lot of PPE when it came to single use plastics and stuff. Yeah. But now hopefully we need to continue that move back once we're able to um the travel restrictions and stuff that also COVID happened that actually when we're able to transition safely to a more sustainable travel policy or whatever um and removing the plastic the PPE plastics then yeah we can make those transitions so it's about embedding it within the each individual team but um but having people that are responsible for it that can then check and can audit and be like okay we've got this policy but you guys what's happened here like let's triple check that you're still on message and still actually adhering to what we say that we're meant to be doing and understanding what it is we're trying to achieve because... and that all goes back to d's point around education so if everyone understands why you're doing it yeah it can't just sit yeah. with decision makers. It has to be everybody understanding and being educated. Sorry, Dee. Yeah, so that's that's my very current, um, not challenge, but just, you know, my task right now is to embed sustainability as a mindset across our global organisation of circa 4,000 people. I mean, that's a huge task. How do yes. I do that? You know, And I've got a lot of people out there that really care about this already, which is great. Mm-hmm. But how do I, how, you know, how do I go about um, sort of bringing, bringing on board those who don't? And some people you won't ever change, right? So you sort of, it, it's about where, where can we make bet, most impact and where's our time best spent? Um, so the way that I'm approaching it is, is I've done a series of kind of roadshows of our sustainability plan around the business to get the kind of leadership on board with it and ask them, you know, I said, the main thing I need from you is to talk about this, is to talk to your teams, talk to your clients, put it on their agendas, make sure they know that it's important to us and to you. Um, cause as leaders, you know, whatever your boss says generally, you know, is kind of on your kind of radar, <laughs> um, and then we're also coming, so we're coming top down. We're also coming bottom up with, with um, a, a sort of board, a sustainability board, which you know a lot of companies have done a green team or or such. Yeah. And we're going to have kind of advocates on that board, people who don't have much time in their day job, but do want to, you know, hear what's going on and, and help spread the word. And then people who have perhaps a little bit more time to give each week towards projects, because. Currently, I am that white knight, right? I'm on my own, and I need I need to mobilise virtual teams around the business mm-hmm. to kind of help me achieve those goals. And thankfully, there's a load of interest and a lot of different skill sets as well, which I need to sort of complement what I can bring, so that we can actually, you know, make some changes and make some meaningful impact. Yeah, we um, like the we've got zero heroes in our corporation. And some of the suggestions that comes out of the, that network are fantastic. That's what we need. Yes, okay, yeah. the 
are dedicated headcounts to this at Sky. Um, but you need all the brains thinking about this, especially within their own roles. Actually, mm. what can they do? What's what is really wasteful within their what they're doing what really frustrates them that they see like oh gosh why is why are we always doing it like this why can't we do it like this or oh that other broadcaster is doing this or i just worked on a other production and they were doing like that's what we need we need more brains thinking about this because mm. you're right like when it's one person it can be overwhelming and it can be exhausting trying to come up with the solutions so it's about empowering all of those green champions and people that are passionate about this to to think about their own roles and how they can make changes as well. Yeah, because in such a big company, you need those eyes and ears on the ground. There's no yeah. way you can know what's happening in every corner of the globe in your business. So, and, like, yeah, and the ins and outs of what they do day to day, and and yeah, yeah, it's um, a challenge to work on a global scale. What are the? I mean, because people living overseas just naturally have different sort of uh, cultural experience or how their government are pushing things and you know their sort of buy-in must be very very deep I mean you do have yeah. a task <laughs> I do um but you know that's for me the, the the thing that I love one of one of the things I love most about where I work is the is that diversity of kind of culture and working yeah. with all like you know one day I'm on a call with India then the next morning I'm on with Australia then most days I'm in with LA so you know and I love that because it's so interesting understanding and seeing how other people are living and um so for me that's a that's the sort of you know that's the bit that really stimulates me as as, as how do we like what are the specific challenges in each region? So you know we're, we're not as we know that this isn't going to be a one size fits all. Once we get our carbon footprint for each facility, we're going to have bespoke action plans relevant to each facility to say what's possible. In some regions, the infrastructure for renewables, for example, just simply isn't there yet. So yeah. you know what's realistic for us to target in each region and single use plastics we can do in most cases, but you know waste to landfill well. If there's no way of avoiding landfill, how do we make sure that what we're putting there is as little as possible um, and not creating the waste in the first place? You know, and in some regions, the recycling is taken home by employees to their homes to recycle at home Gosh, at the moment, good. you know, uh, which is great that they're doing that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> better than landfill, um, but yeah, they can't do that at great volume. So, um, yeah, so there's lots of challenges. But, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Are there, really. are there any other are there any territories that you work with that are really nailing it? UK I would kind of honestly say or? UK and some of Europe are further advanced from my, you know, from my initial kind of experience of it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, wh- why why do you think that is? Just because of like government drive or just uh, yeah, largely. <clears throat> well, I think the infrastructure helps. So, um, but but also the the government. You know, things like the landfill tax has just meant that waste here is is normally um, not going to landfill as standard anymore. Um, you know, and so so regulation, um, governments putting this as sort of you know priority, and the infrastructure that supports it also the availability of renewable energy contracts like you know you can't tell all the energy gets mixed up in the grid as you know but so you can't actually say unless you've got solar panels on your roof that you're being powered solely by renewable but 
you know, with the renewable credit purchase scheme and things, you know, you get this sort of, there are a lot, there is a lot of availability for renewable energy contracts in this country, far more than others. In Canada, a lot of their facilities are um, uh, powered by natural gas. So, I'm learning a lot. I yeah. mean, this is just sort of the first few months, so yeah. <laughs> um, I got we'll a lot more to learn. In a, in a <laughs> Please do, yeah. The, the regional differences are really fascinating, and especially like when it comes to the infrastructure that um, is in place in that country for like public transport. I know my colleagues in Germany; yeah. um, they they've <clears> just been able to ban flights within Germany um, if it's. I think they've, they've they've got a certain rule if it's over a certain amount of hours or something that they've got to get the train and that's absolutely doable but in this country you look at that and you think gosh actually how how are we going to get up to Aberdeen you know like and meet that TX time or whatever like it's Mm -hmm. there there are some significant challenges plus also the budget impact of of course you do the right thing but you've got to be aware that there might be some the budgetary impacts on on taking that choice absolutely yeah we've got a challenge in india actually with transport because a lot of the staff there don't if they come from outside of the of the town then they need transport and and the only transport that we can put that we can provide with the lack of public transport is the um taxis you know so that's a that's a horrible source of emissions but we need our staff to come into the office so yeah yeah. and you know like the In the UK, yeah, okay, we've we've got a big push for the electric vehicles, but actually the infrastructure to we if we put mm. all of our crew in an electric vehicle, great, but then that what impact's that got on their well being? You know, that they've got to then wait an hour to while they charge up if yep. there's a charging point available. Yeah. And when they get to their hotel, no, a lot of the hotels don't have the electric charging points or there's not enough. So it's it's Obviously, in the UK, we've got a lot of challenges, but it feels like sometimes we're not joined up enough. Just talking about different um, sort of initiatives, perhaps. Obviously, some companies are giving their, you know, rolling out electric vehicles, for example. Um, Remote production is obviously on the rise, but we do still see gas guzzling trucks going up and down motorways from London to Newcastle or, as you say, like Glasgow or wherever. Obviously, biofuel is something that can help that. But are there any other sort of interesting or creative initiatives you've seen, perhaps in sort of like sports productions, Joe, or um, OB Life that stand out? Um, Well, so we've just done um, a lot of work on cloud trying to understand what cloud production what impact that's got on mm-hmm. our workflows um that's that's quite a new technology a new workflow from sky perspective that we've got in place on a couple of our productions but not anywhere to the scale that of our trial that we did with the um, ibc we all came together uh all broadcasts of the premier league and looked at actually the impact that cloud production has what's really yeah. interesting with that was that it it's not it's not massively dramatic when it comes to the footprint compared to remote. Like actually the differences between it's essentially a, it's a feed that's the difference. Yeah. However, the infrastructure that you need behind the scenes is really interesting. So the fact that a gallery at at Sky, so if in a remote, in a remote situation, um, we would have a gallery with a mixing desk and all of the kit that you'd normally have. Um, and that needs a technical equipment room behind the scenes that is powering all of that. In the cloud situation, the technology that you use for that workflow 
doesn't need that technical equipment room. So you are taking all of that, all of that out away. of the power consumption. Now, Sky as a company, we're on renewable energy. So actually the um, carbon impact of that isn't that significant, but the power decrease is really attractive. And that's what we as a company now need to start looking at is actually, it's not necessarily about the carbon impact. It's about reducing our power consumption. And obviously with that, there's a lot, there's a lot out there, especially around the hydrogen options when it comes mm. to um, generators. We're looking at some great new, hopefully, um, new technology that can help us on battery generators. So just moving away from those twin set diesel engines, yeah. which you know we've put biofuels in, but there's still it's still a, you're still burning a fuel essentially. Mm. So you're always going to have an emission there. Plus you're driving it to site. Um, but we are now driving it on a biofuel. Um, so, yeah, so that, for me, that's that's the elephant in the room when it comes to all of this is actually how we're powering it. Because yeah. you can you can be, you can have, like, 5G and um, cloud and remote and all of that great new technology. But if it's still going through a twin-set diesel generator, <laughs> then that you're having to drive around the country, you know? Counterproductive, like, isn't it? Like, I think... So, <laughs> So we really, so, and of course, with that, you have to work with your supply chain. So for us to take the generator off the road means that we have to work with the venues. So we have to try and take shore power or house power there. And that is a very big transition, right? Yeah. So like, because obviously we've got broadcaster um, uh, requirements to not fall off air. And um, when you start looking at the, the the impact that that could have, especially for like Champions League finals and you know all of that, you'd be in trouble. That's why I don't want that on my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a really interesting. Um, that's where that's where the technology needs to go. That's where we our focus needs to be always is actually looking at what is powering our outside broadcasts. And um, so you're blowing my mind. This is that next level. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. So me too. good. Like, um, Joe, just a quick question on that. So when you're looking at um, cloud versus, or I, I kind of call it on-prem, yeah. um, have you done that compare? Have you like quantified that comparison of emissions? Okay, so you know that the cloud is significantly or, or like like less in, impact on emissions? Not so the the trial that we did it didn't have that much impact when it came to emissions from a emission, right. emissions perspective because we were comparing it to a remote. So we've already oh, done a lot of work to tr- when you're comparing it to traditional. Absolutely, yes, it's it's it the it really reduces your carbon impact. Um, so traditional outside broadcast where you've got everyone on site producing it on site, sending the signal up to the customer. Um, we we know that the difference between remote production and traditional has got a reduction there. We we've looked at that in the past. It's really difficult, sadly, for us to single out um, the environmental impact. So because we transitioned a lot of our work, um, or a lot of our productions during COVID. So um, mm. actually, like you know, there's always going to be. Um, other things that are coming into play so biofuels came in at the same time and so it's really difficult to say that is solely because of remote production and that reduces the emissions but we know that um, when you transition from a traditional production to a remote production you reduce your emissions by 
you reduce the amount of people and equipment on site by 50%. Then we looked at um, and we were able to do a net zero broadcast because of um, that reduction. So that plus um, the introduction of biofuels meant that we reduced our emissions for Game Zero in September 2021 uh, by 70%, which was huge. Wow. So, um, but the cloud production element um, we we weren't we would in our in our scenario we weren't comparing that to traditional. Now, when we did compare it to traditional cloud versus traditional, there was a there was a significant saving, especially when it came to the fuel consumption on site, um, mm. which is really attractive, right? Like, yeah. And to be able to, to tick that box and say yes, absolutely, remote or cloud production reduces your fuel on site is is huge because you're not you're not having to power so much. Absolutely, because even with mm. remote production, there is a, an element that obviously has to be on site. So you need to. But also remote production um, and and cloud production. Um, there was a lovely analogy from a guy from the BBC the other day that said that it's, it, you're squeezing a balloon. So you're, you've got those emissions. You're just taking it from the balloon was inflated at the um, the OB. You squeezed it and it's gone somewhere else. And it's gone to your gallery at sky or gallery right. at timeline or yeah, whatever okay. so that it's just moved but because it's moved over there it means that your staff have got a, be- a better work-life balance because they're closer to home mm, yes um they're able to eat nicer food whatever like actually um manage their day a bit better but also you're on your renewable energy you're using um your gallery at at your base so you're able to be, put it on led lights so you've got more control mm. over your infrastructure rather than yes. on the road where you're having to take everything right yeah that makes sense yeah brilliant wow <laughs> i'm just like absorbing all of this i'm so glad we're recording <laughs> yeah i think back. i think the the sort of social side of sustainability is so important to keep keep your eyes on because mm. i mean we i have a um in Deluxe, we have a diversity director in the US who sort of has an amazing global diversity initiative that she runs. So I, I sort of, that's not sort of, it, you know, within my kind of immediate remit. And, and the what I'm focusing on is the environmental bit, because that's where I feel like we need to kind of make most progress. But, but you're absolutely right. The sort of social side of sustainability is just as important as all the planetary impacts. Yeah. And you can't, and you can't be great in one thing and ignore the other. No, You've got, no. And that's what's really lovely about my job is that I am all encompassing. I'm everything to try and be more responsible. So I'm really trying to be mindful over anything that we're introducing that actually it doesn't have a knock-on effect on the other bits as well, which is, you know, a challenge in itself. Carrying on the sort of social um, angle, mm. Rise, who I know that you um, ran the podcast with, I think, I don't know if it was last time or last year, but um, they are doing some amazing work in our industry to try and sort of, you know, um, level out the gender diversity balance in in broadcast technology and um we do yeah so we've partnered with them we've sponsored them for the last few years and we've kind of got mentees and mentors as part of their program and one of our um senior vice presidents is on their advisory board so yeah you know get by getting involved with some of the amazing initiatives out in the industry is is one way um you know to sort of like increase your um sort of standing and, and commitment to this cause but we had a nice little an, initiative a few years ago, and I say it's little because I think these things are almost as just as impactful as the kind of as the big hitters of the sort of shifting to renewable energy or whatever um, in in people's 
in the way that people think about sustainability. We um, we had a bit of a dead space in our backyard in our main office in in London. We didn't really know what to do with it, so um, we thought, well, why don't we create some garden allotments? So we've we created six garden allotments, or yeah, six, and um, and we we offered five out to. Um, teams in the business and then one was kept for our in-house caterer um and some people in you know they didn't have much outside space they might have a little balcony or yeah. not no outside space at all living in london so this gave people a really decent sized plot to build their own fruit veg herbs whatever they wanted um through the summer months and and they often did it as a team as well so it was like a a nice example of you know, team building, well-being, people would go out on their lunch hour, do some digging, green therapy, you know, people get healthy, homegrown, nutritional food at the end of it to take home. And and the caterers used theirs to grow some fruit and veg, which they then used in the um, in the meals that they served to staff. So it was very low cost, very low level, but people loved that, you know, yeah. and, and, and we had a competition and the prize winner and everything else. So um yeah so that was a sort of a nice a nice example and just shows you that you don't have to throw a lot of money at these things sometimes no I love that yeah that's so good I, yeah and like you say like you it feel like it's something small but actually the impact that's had on people would have been great um yeah just the well-being yeah it's that you know it doesn't have to just be about like oh yes brilliant that reduced our emissions actually no it made made our staff feel really great as well they got some exercise yeah. they enjoyed being outside we um so we put a lot of pressure on our suppliers to um give us this kind of information at rfp stage we really want to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. across the board with all of our sustainability we are aware joe (laughs) 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 and it's it's actually really lovely to hear some of the initiatives there was i think it was a scaffolding company that we had a while ago that was telling me about the bees that they keep there's like stuff like that that like they make their own honey you're like this is so like yes why why it doesn't yes absolutely you need to do the big the big important changes but also like do the stuff that actually you're passionate about and you your team are saying oh you know we've got a lot of space on our roof why don't we get some some bees in like yeah that's that's so lovely yeah we had a wormery (laughs) pre-pandemic in our office and I went in the other the other week and someone mentioned it I said god is that still going you know (laughs) I don't know boys poor little worms have been working their little socks off since 2020 they were not, not furloughed to, not much to eat no they weren't oh yeah all of these sort of little ideas I think once you hear that you're like oh we could we could probably get some bees like, yeah. what are we doing up there yeah. I love yeah. all of that um Solar panels, actually, talking about roofs, solar panels is another thing to look into if you own your building or if you've got a long lease on it. Ah, yeah. um, that's definitely something to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Sky's got their wind turbines. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you can put one yeah. up in Ealing, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your wind might be more effective than solar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today. Thank you both so much mm-hmm. for um, talking to me today. Um, I think we've managed to take a lot out of a good 45 minutes there and I I really appreciate your time and if there's anything you want to close on I would say go to the IPCC which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change go to their press release of the recent report that they released a few weeks ago I think it was end of end of February actually Mm -hmm. now um just read the press release the whole report's about 3,600 pages so don't bother with that but read the (laughs) press release and start talking to people about it really just start having conversations in your day-to-day life at home um 
in the office to your manager, ask questions, be curious, um, and yeah, and see what you can do. Another tip I was going to say was, um, in terms of, you know, your personal lives, because we, in, in Deluxe, we're also looking at engaging with employees to sort of further their, um, personal, uh, sort of green living, Mm. um, look at One Home, which is a great, um, website it's a uk's public campaign for supporting people to be greener at home and their sort of lifestyles and how they travel and and their homes so um onehome.org i think uk it is um is definitely worth a look uh, i think there's a sustainable shopping shoppers list or something that um actually tells you the brands that you should be looking at and especially when it comes to um your own finances like bank is a really important part of that where your pen where, and also um, where your pension's being held Ooh, um, okay so actually using your money effectively where you're holding your um your money um and that's um, from a empowerment perspective. That makes you feel like you're actually you've you've done a lot because you're actually shifting, especially when it comes to your pension. You're shifting that away from the fossil fuel companies. Mm. Um, and there are some there are some banks that are doing some great things. Um, so have a look at that. Obviously, make it make the move when it makes sense for you. Um, but from from an advice perspective, um, I'd go back to what you were talking, what we said about said earlier on um actually you as a, yourself and you as a company are doing a lot already you just haven't necessarily thought about it or tallied it up to being sustainable so actually it's that thinking about you your own personal life how you how you live oh yeah you're a flexitarian you don't eat meat all the time or oh you you actually don't print a lot of work actually that that is all sustainable living yes. and sustainable working practices you just haven't taken that acknowledgement that you've done it for environmental reasons but that doesn't mean it's you haven't it's yeah. still great you can still count it it's allowed <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the fact that you didn't travel for two years because of covid you know yeah brilliant. done working from home now <laughs> done don't drive great <laughs> that's brilliant thanks guys that's um amazing and i really do appreciate your time and your insight uh i think a lot of people listening to this will learn a lot so thank you so much thanks no problem I told you, didn't I? Wow. A huge amount of incredible information there and a lot to digest. A massive thank you to Joe and to Dee for providing so much to think about, not only as an industry, but as individuals. Please make sure you share this podcast with anyone in your company or your family, any of your friends that you feel would benefit, which let's face it, is probably everybody. Thank you for listening today and always. It's been a pleasure to produce and host a podcast aimed at our industry. When we started this project, we wanted to put a spotlight on the non-technical aspects of the industry. Inclusion, gender equality, graduates, staff shortages, sustainability, as well as highlighting some incredible initiatives such as RISE and the Mummy Youth Project. If you haven't managed to listen back to our other episodes, please search for Timeline Podcast anywhere, wherever you usually get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Sarah Esuf. Goodbye.